Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, the ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. O Holy Spirit of God, take our minds and think through them. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for thee, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Calvary, for 50 years. That's a long time. I rejoice in being here today and give you thanks for inviting me back, Dieter. I remember so well the early days when I was at Holy Communion and the rector of this place was a man named Don Henning. And Don Henning was something to behold. One of the great preachers of America during his era And as a kid at Holy Communion, I called him one day and I said, would you teach me how to preach? And he said, oh, no, 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 Dad. You remember Don Henny, some of you, maybe. And I asked him about three months later, a second time, he said, oh, no, no. He never taught me to preach. But I always envied because in the summertime, like in August when we had a vacation, I would slip away and come in that back door and sit in the back and listen to Don Henning stand in this pulpit. And it was awesome. And this pulpit has been an awesome place for the city of Memphis for a hundred years. And I can't tell you how humble I am and proud I am to be invited back to be a part of this awesome series many people call the Waffle Shop series. (laughs) It's Lent. It's the time we give things up. When I was out at Holy Communion and I had a sixth grade confirmation class, each year I would say to the kids, what, 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 what are you giving up for Lent? And they would say, I'm giving up the Fuddies or I'm giving up Coca-Colas or something. And I'll never forget one little boy raised his hand. He said, I'm giving up making my bed each day. Yeah, we get a little older and we give up other things. But sometimes it's kind of hard to give up some of the things we know we need to give up. We hold on to them. We won't let them go. 
Let's take a minute and revisit that scripture that Scott read for us just now. Jesus goes into the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, into the synagogue. He sees a woman bent over and he goes over and puts his hands on her and heals her. And immediately, the president of the local synagogue there begins to reprimand Jesus for healing the woman on the Sabbath day. Remember the rabbi, the president of the synagogue said in offense, offense, this place teaches the law the rules, the regulations. And anybody who heals on the Sabbath or does any work on the Sabbath is getting out of their lane. He didn't say that now, but that's what we say today, isn't it? Jesus got out of his lane and healed the woman that broke the law. He's critical of Jesus because that breaking the law is so important to not just this president of the synagogue, but to you and me as well. You see, the eyes that Jesus saw, had, that saw this woman with her bent back, his eyes We're not judging the performance of that woman's behavior. He was judging the woman for her need. His eyes were thinking about her need and not the fact that he was breaking the law. As a matter of fact, one of the ways to describe love for the New Testament is you have a need and I answer it, period. That's what love is. You have a need, and I answer it, period. That's what Jesus did for the woman who had the bent back. He saw the woman answered her need. And by the way, we are all all bent over in one way or another with our many issues that weigh us down. But despite our issues that weigh us down, we are adored, adored by God. Whether you feel like you love God or not, God adores you. Those divine eyes that saw the bent over woman are the very same eyes with which Jesus sees you and me. You and I can get so caught up in the system of rules and become so competent at mastering these various forms of protocol or etiquette 
that we become very skilled at catching, catching other people as they break those rules, as they ignore those protocols, as they get out of their lane. And it's only natural, therefore, that we project our own judgment onto the others and we assume that Jesus himself must be judging me just like I judge you. And he must be disappointed in me just as much as I'm disappointed in you. Just like we are disappointed in each other, we project that being like Jesus. So we wind up being more loyal to the system of rules and bet etiquette and protocol than to its people. Just like the president of the synagogue was more concerned about the rules and the law for which he was their teacher than that a woman bent over should be helped. Matter of fact, it's just second nature to us in our culture to pass quick judgment on another person as they break one of those protocols. It's so common that we might even call it just common sense to do that. And of course, it isn't just quick judgments. We've done it in a big way in our culture. We've done it to our native people. We've done it to slaves. We've done it to Jim Crow with Jim Crow, with our immigrants. The list goes on and on, but the very nature of the overarching biblical story is trying to tell you and me how God sees us, and with those very eyes, how Jesus sees us. He did not, he did not measure us against the rules, against laws and systems, Jesus does not see you as an A student, a B, a C minus, a D, no. Those are our systems. He did not see us as successful or highly successful or a Forbes 500. That's our system, not his. He did not see us as weak or strong, coordinated or awkward, extrovert or introvert. These are our systems, not his. St. Paul, in his many letters, loved to use a word, and that word, he believed, captured exactly the way Jesus sees us. St. Paul's word, by the word, by the way, our dominant culture doesn't like. You know it well. It's that tough, powerful, gutsy word, grace. When I was a brand newly ordained clergyman in this diocese of Tennessee many years ago, sent to Mont Eagle, to Little Mission Church. 
I was also asked by Bishop Van Dross to be in charge of, of, of kind of chaplain to the camping program that the diocese had at the DuBose Conference Center. The camps that lasted all summer were named after two bishops, Bishop Max of Gaylor Maxson, camps for kids. And I was around always at those camps, helping people do whatever needed to be. And one of the camps was for senior highs. They were the kids who were probably in the 11th grade, maybe some 12th graders. And the way they arranged that was that the building, and let me take a second to describe it for you, is a great big building with three stories. Didn't look like a camp. It looked like more like a college dorm. And the three stories had the top floor, middle floor, and then the bottom floor. When the boys were put on the top floor for this senior high camp, and the girls were on the middle floor of the senior high camp, and all the staff was down on the base, on the ground floor. The camp director every night always took his big long flashlight and patrolled the grounds at night just to make everything was safe. But on about the second night of camp, the director named Henry Lee Myers, Hank Myers, came around the side of the building, big flashlight on. He looked up and on front of the third floor window were the heads of three teenage boys looking out the window, and they had a rope in their hand. They had taken the mirror off the dresser, had tied the rope to the back of the mirror, and had lowered the mirror down. So it perfectly was in front of the window of a girl's bedroom below them. <laughs> Hank Myers came around. The minute the boys saw that flashlight, they let go of the rope. It fell to the ground and crashed and the mirror broke. Silence. Heads popped back into the room. Nobody made a sound. The next morning, we all went to church, went to the chapel for our early Eucharist. The kids got into the chapel, kind of dark, sleepy, half awake. And as they knelt down on the kneelers to say their prayers, they looked up to the altar and saw leaning against the altar big pieces of broken mirror. (laughs) Then the whispering began. (laughs) 
and the whispering got louder and louder in the chapel. And everybody was abuzz as to what was going on. The broken pieces of mirror on the altar? Well, then everybody got up and left and went to breakfast. And during breakfast, every breakfast table was full of gossip. What's going on? Why the mirror? What the... So much so that the chapel, that the, the, the staff got together and decided to change all of the program for the whole camp to begin to talk about the broken mirror and what it meant on the altar. The rules for the church camp were perfectly clear. Any destruction of church property during the camp meant you were taken straight to the bus station, put on the bus, and sent home. That didn't happen. The camp director decided not to follow the camp rules on property destruction, so no boy was taken to the bus station and sent home. Instead, the staff decided to really use this moment to talk about what it meant when you got out of your lane. And the campers began to do that discussion. I'm going to give you five or six topics that were discussed gives you an idea of how this camp went after the mirror became the center of the program. Here were some of the deep discussion topics that they struggled with. Could the boys be forgiven without paying a price? Don't you have to earn your forgiveness? Should we ever bring our own garbage to the high altar? Shouldn't the boys first confess their guilt? What would Jesus do if he was the director of this camp? Does that mean that the boys are actually more important than the camp rules? Was the camp director doing something that the church calls grace and is grace a good thing or is grace a bad thing? 
Then the biblical examples came forth and all the biblical stories began. Starting with the story of go the second mile, but the law said you only need to go one mile and Jesus said, no, go two miles. Some cappers began saying, we got it all backwards. We really do love judging folks. And we downplay grace. Jesus really loved grace. And he downplayed judgment. We work hard in our culture to earn everything we get. And we even repeat that expression, there are no free lunches. Therefore, we think everything should be earned. It's no wonder we have trouble accepting the idea of grace because we can't earn grace. And if our dominant culture says we can't earn something, it means it probably doesn't have much worth. So if God's love cannot be earned by carefully following all the rules, how can we win God's acceptance? And with that sort of thinking, we miss out on the fact that God simply adores you. How could he adore me when I've not earned it? That comment was repeated over and over for the remainder of the entire camp. And I dare say the campers went home divided. Half of them liked what the director did. The other half thought the director should have sent them home on the next bus. But... After the kids left, the staff's surprise was the teenagers in their post-meeting evaluation sheet said it's the best camp they had ever attended. Every week, you and I come to church problems and burdens that bend our backs down with weights and tasks undone, times we've gotten out of our lane and judged others. That's what churches are for. That's what an altar is for. That's what this altar is for. Whatever our own broken mirrors may look like, we shed them here in church. And then, and then we have empty hands and we feel the sense of healing, restoration, and forgiveness.
And when that happens, we even feel just a little bit intoxicated with what God has done for us. Amen. Let us pray. Strengthen our wills, O Lord, to see each other in ways that we can extend your grace, heal, restore those around us, that we might be instruments of your peace and grace in a world hungry for your love. And now the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and those you love this day and forevermore. Amen. The Calvary Podcast theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.